This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this December 13th, it's Tuesday. It is a bad sweater edition of Real Talk. It's the Alberta Municipality's Real Talk Roundtable in studio featuring three Alberta mayors, uh, Her Worship Kathy Heron, the mayor of St. Albert, president of Alberta Municipalities, uh, Her Worship Angela Duncan, the mayor of Alberta Beach, and His Worship Mayor Tyler Ganim of the city of Wetaskiwin. Uh, I, I feel like I've, I've uh, inadvertently insulted the three of you out of the gates. I should have simply said it is a Christmas sweater edition as opposed to a bad Christmas sweater edition of the program. I hope none of you take any offense. No, that's what they're here for. Yeah, yeah. you're you're doing all right. Gandam, you're you're sort of like out of the gates winning this one early with your elf Christmas on. sweater. You got a this is a battery pack operated oh, Will Ferrell Christmas more of a Christmas sweatshirt, really, if we're getting technical. <laughs> uh I like that. How does that thing there breathe with the with the uh, electronics woven in? It's okay. It does well. There's a fan going right now. I feel really good. <laughs> it's a fan going very nicely done. Uh it's wonderful to have the three of you in studio it does something different we saw it with our, our friday roundtable as well we call it our group chat roundtable and uh, it does something to the dynamic to get people back in person uh have you been having like what, what's been going on with like council meetings and when the, like the mayor hosts dignitaries or visitors to any of your respective communities have you have you been easing back into what we used to perceive as normal absolutely excuse me absolutely i think uh all through the whole pandemic i went to the office every day it was a nice place to be quiet and have space uh the whole pandemic allowed us to do things differently we can have counselors i i chaired a meeting from ottawa last week yeah so that those options are now there um it's really good for the public to participate so they can uh, you know attend a public hearing at nine in the morning and through zoom so it's it's got its advantages but at the same time this dynamic that the four of us are having right now i already can feel a difference like we've done this before yeah and now it's a little bit more jovial and fun and we're teasing each other already so the thing's gonna be good everybody's chat. everybody's not trying to like center themselves into the zoom window and figure <laughs> out it you know it's like yeah. trying to read in a mirror and all that kind of stuff um i want to uh, obviously look forward to you know we've, we've got our coffees going and and we'll kind of shoot the breeze in a way and 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 talk about i'm sure in candid fashion some of the things that are impacting your communities in a good way maybe some of the things that are that are raising your ire a little bit or at the top of your to-do list and there's the real life stuff as well um, you know, we've had some, you know, a few straight weeks with temperatures, you know, around minus 20, give or take. And, and obviously that's uh, uh, prompting conversations with the average citizen. Uh, th- their sense of empathy uh, is ringing and, and and they understand that the homelessness and, and, and chronic homelessness are issues that are impacting all of us in different ways, including people that are literally fighting to survive each and every night. Uh, that's that's been something that's been that's been big, I know, for you and with Tasco and this 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 uh, I mean, tackling this challenge of homelessness. We've talked about it before, Mayor Gannon. What's the current situation? What's the reality right this minute? Right now, we've got Hope Mission operating an emergency shelter, uh, offering a little bit of the supports as well that we've been needed. This is a first winter in a handful of years that we weren't scrambling when we got our first snowfall or when the temperatures went below zero to have an agency in place. So Hope Mission's been up and running now for a little while. Uh, For all intents and purposes, it's going well. They're seeing upwards of 60 people a night and especially when it was cold they would for sure be seeing that and in a small city of 13,000 people that's a high number of people experiencing homelessness what's the shelter situation is it is it a dedicated shelter space is it a church what is it it's a dedicated shelter space so it would be atco trailers kind of uh set up they've got room for 60 in there they've got showers 
common area. Um, they've got a kind of a fenced area as well. They've paved it with um, asphalt. So it's it's a permanent slash temporary shelter. And right now we're just going through the works uh, with council on rezoning some land that uh, Hope Mission plans to build a permanent shelter in Wetaskiwin. Hmm. Is it does it require how does, how does it work? Like, pardon my ignorance here. I don't I don't really understand when you're working with like so. Hope Mission is a nonprofit, right? But it's an independent agency, right? It's it's got my understanding with Hope Mission. It's got sort of religious roots, or it's got partnerships, and so there's a whole bunch of, of balls in the air and things at play. Does it require do do, do getting things done? these days require the involvement of, of third parties or non-government agencies? Absolutely. So the first year that we ran an emergency shelter, the city was doing it with volunteers, city staff, some members of council were operating the shelter, uh, just having a safe place for people to go. And we learned really quickly that we're not in the, the business of operating a shelter. So having an agency that's got experience and understands the the needs and the the emergent needs of, of people experiencing homelessness is, is really important. So we've, we've learned over the last few years, what works, what doesn't. And I hope this is on the, the, the better trajectory of, of what it's going to take to change what Wetaskiwin has been experiencing. For and the provincial funding. Oh, absolutely. Funnels through these not-for-profits. So it's Homeward Trust. Uh, I don't know the grant that it came yeah. through, but there was a, a large grant that the last two years Wetaskiwin has been a part of that for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, we've been fortunate since probably 20, 19 to start receiving provincial funding for a uh, homeless shelter and even when the the city was doing it themselves but the the province is definitely recognizing that there's a need for smaller communities it's not just happening in the big seven <laughs> cities of of alberta oh look at mayor duncan we nodding her head right <laughs> the village of alberta beach people maybe people that you know think that and, and i'll be honest i would include myself here although you've enlightened me in past conversations but people might think well it's a village it's alberta beach we go there in the summers and we love alberta beach and they don't have like actual real life problems uh is homelessness a, I, I feel almost ignorant asking you is is it a very real issue that stares you in the face in Alberta Beach? It absolutely is. Um, we love people coming to visit us in the summer, but in the wintertime, only about 56% of our residences are occupied full-time. So we have a huge number of cabins and unoccupied houses, which unfortunately tend to attract homeless people. Um, and we don't have the social supports. We don't have the social supports in rural Alberta in order to deal with it. Um, when somebody's homeless, we don't have... Um, employment education. We don't have access to food banks. I mean, my closest food bank is in the community 20 minutes down the road. Right. So if you're experiencing homelessness in Alberta Beach, you may be able to find a warm place to, to lay your head, but you don't have any of the other social supports that you're in need. And this is a problem right across rural Alberta, where we're seeing squatters coming out and, and kind of occupying lands um, and biz, um, buildings that, that you wouldn't normally see people in. And I mean, we run I partner with three other municipalities to offer social programming, and we have about $40,000. <laughs> That's it. I mean, that doesn't help somebody. 40 grand. $40,000 with four municipalities pooling our FCSS dollars. Right. And that's our social programming for the year. So we don't have the ability to help people who are experiencing homelessness, even though they are right in our communities. Pardon my ignorance. Yeah. Would that include like the salary for a social worker? Would you have to find it with that? Would that have to fit into Wouldn't the budget of 40000 we, we, we don't have a, a social worker. I mean, we do have access to those types of things that come out of Stony Plains Spruce Grove. So it's not often that we see them in our communities. We certainly call when we need to. But no, it doesn't cover salaries for things like that. Hmm. So how do you like the, the, when the rubber hits the road and people want to have the conversation of like, how do you actually in, in, in meaningful fashion address this? 
And we've all heard the, I think people to a certain degree are a little bit cynical. I mean, to be honest, I remember even, so for example, even here in Edmonton way back when then Mayor Stephen Mandel was like, we're going to end homelessness in 10 years. And what nobody said out loud uh, was what so many people were saying and uh, muttering under their breath, which is like, yeah, right. Like, you, you, yeah, right. It, uh, I'm not sure that anybody believes that it can actually I'm be sure, done. I'm sure Mandel thought he could, and we all hope to, but this is not a municipal um, dis- it's not our responsibility. It is because they're our residents, but it is these partnership. And everything we talk about, Ryan, all the time with municipalities is we need a better partnership with the province. So as I said, the provincial funding goes to Tyler. St. Albert doesn't get that. St. Albert, 70,000. He's, what'd you say, 15, 13. 13? They get money. We don't. You know why? Because we're close to Edmonton. So we're downtown right now. It's it. There's problems in downtown Edmonton. I'm Huge. sure if you see some of the tents and some of the people that are homeless, I bet you, they grew up in St. Albert, but there's nothing in St. Albert for me to help them with. So we we have to rely on my neighbor, which is not fair to Edmonton. And that's the crime then follows sometimes. We know of a fellow from Alberta Beach that got dropped off in Edmonton. Crime. So we work, we're working as a region. You're talking about that, like just to not let yeah. that fly under the radar. Okay, yeah. you're, you're, you're talking about the guy that was not supposed to be released. That's right. And was and ended up bludgeoning <laughs> yeah. two innocent people to death in Chinatown. Like, yeah, yeah that's a story that yeah. I think people, I mean, that's an explosive story mm-hmm. um, that the CBC's done some good reporting on, but I'm not sure that that's all over everybody's radar and it should be. So we work together as a region. Uh, mayor Sohi had the entire 13 mayors together a while ago talking about homelessness and housing affordability. We're all there. We're all ready to take on the responsibility, but we can't do it alone. We're looking at 5.8 some tax increases without taking on the responsibility of running a shelter. So we need the province, honestly, to step up. But we'll build. They operate. There's the solution. It's okay. Right. It's there. So you yeah. have So you have a, a like, it, the, the, the province is a little bit flush right now. Like, it's been a good year, right? I mean, you remember, you know, Jason Kenney on his way out and, and the finance minister acting at the time. Anyway, uh, Jason Nixon was like, you know, they expected a surplus of about 500 million. And instead, they're they're looking at like, you know, I'm trying to do the math in my head. What is it? Nine? No, eight figures, nine figures. Like, what was it? Whatever. What, 14, 13, yeah. 14 billion. And they're kind of deciding how to divvy it up. And they're going, like, we'll put some into the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. We'll pay some on the short term debt. We'll pay some on the. And then people like me or any, any of our audience members were trying to evaluate whether or not we thought that that was an astute or the proper way to do it. And what you find out very quickly is when you start talking about the right way to divvy up funds is that everybody can make a compelling case uh, with regards to why they should receive those funds, mm-hmm. not in a selfish way. Everyone operates with great conviction mm-hmm. about the projects that they're working on. Is this the type of situation? Is this the type of scenario with apologies to, to teachers and nurses and the Heritage Savings Trust Fund and, and schools and everything else where people want? Could this be? solved or could this be meaningfully addressed with with a whole bunch of cash i mean if the province is sitting on surplus right now and and citizens are talking about what to do with it i mean could could two and a half billion dollars make a statement to the rest of the world about how alberta approaches homelessness it, it could the problem with the surplus is it's, it's unpredictable and you don't know year from year if it's going to be there so as i said we can build it if they operate it they need that constant revenue stream so we need more predictable and reliable revenue from the province so that when they don't have a surplus and they're running a huge deficit, they don't shut down the shelter. So I, I know that's our job as municipals and especially as the Board of Alberta Municipalities to advocate for some of those surplus dollars to come to municipalities. And you're right, the schools need them. We need to build more schools. 
Um, we need help with EMS. There's a lot of needs, but I do honestly believe, and I can say it with a lot of authority and conviction, that municipalities will put the money to good use. We will build um, shelters. We will build, you know, better transit systems, et cetera. Like we, we are, th- we're thinking of the entire population when we spend money. So how would, how would you, uh, we're what now, we're approximately ish, uh, two months into, uh, a new premier's tenure. Uh, there's an election looming in, in May. We expect, I have to keep saying we expect there's an election looming in May. Politics, things can change quickly. How would you characterize, um, the receptive nature of the Smith government? Uh, versus the Kenny government. I mean, the, the three of you and, and, and other municipal leaders, other mayors have been quite candid uh, over this show's history the past two years about a, what was described generously, I think, as a strained relationship between the province and the municipalities. How would you characterize it right now? I would say that we continue to try to build that relationship between the province and municipalities and yeah, no, this is, no this different is a than <laughs> No, no, no. Bullshit. Bullshit. No, no, no. That's for the other pod. That's if, that's if you're on Chad. This is real talk. How's the relationship? You can swear on I, real talk. I, yeah. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We continue to try to build. Yeah, I'm sure you do. But how is it? I haven't noticed a difference. Okay. Yeah. We have not met with the premier um, at all. Have you asked to? Yes, of course. Um, I have met with Rebecca Schultz. Uh, she's great, quite like our new Minister of Municipal Affairs, but she's still getting her feet, you know, under her. Um, she hasn't met with our board. I've met with her, but not the whole board. That would be the next step. And then, of course, with this Sovereignty Act, it, it affects us us municipalities if we're forced as mayors to make a decision between whether we're going to follow federal or provincial. We have two masters right now. And how do we decide if they say go get the guns and my rcmp which i have a contract with ottawa not with the province and i'd say no go get the guns but then the province is saying don't do it it's it's putting us in the most awkward position and we have not been consulted so when you hear uh the premier talking about the federal government not consulting with the provinces she's not doing it to the municipalities who are so affected and the and the first nations same thing no consultation and it's, and it's not a priority. Really, it's not a priority for Albertans. That's our biggest thing. Homelessness, health care, getting school sizes down to under 30. Those are priorities for Albertans. Sovereignty? Well, we were going to do a drinking game every time we talked about sovereignty today. <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, does it, does it change? Like what in Alberta Beach, uh, you characterize it as a rural community, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're urban adjacent, but you're rural. Uh, what sort of vibe are you picking up from your constituents with regards to the, the receptive nature or not of this Sovereignty Act? Bill 1. I'd say rural Alberta is more receptive to it than our urban centers, but I don't think that it's it's a priority still in rural Alberta. Obviously, the gun issue is an issue in rural Alberta. Um, we don't like what's going on right now with the federal government, but I'm not hearing a lot of people saying, let's pull out the Sovereignty Act and cause all of these constitutional confusion and, and issues in the community. I mean, we could be in a situation where from community to community, you have different rules being enforced based on the police service in that community, based on the priorities of that community and the council of that community. We could be looking at different rules and regulations and, and guns is the easy one, mm-hmm. but this affects anywhere that we have federal funding coming in. It affects transportation, it affects environmental regulations, it affects policing, uh, it affects how we impact, uh, how we respond to climate change. Like the impacts of this bill could be 
huge and we're stuck between a rock and a hard place where municipalities on an individual basis will kind of have to decide what we think is right and what we think is legal. I was I wasn't under the impression that that municipal leaders uh, or for that matter, any political leaders would be corresponding. I mean, I'm not, not that you don't correspond with police. Uh, in communities, all three of your communities are, are, are policed by RCP, RCP. Is that right? All three of them, right? Um, you wouldn't be talking to. Are you out of K Division or is it different in St. Albert? K Division is out of Edmonton, obviously, but is that still K Division? Yes, K-Division but my August. contract is with Ottawa. So. Okay, but, but pardon my <clears throat> yeah. ignorance, but 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 you wouldn't be involved if if like you know the federal government or Minister Blair, like someone is uh, Mendocino, whoever is 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 like you know directing the RCMP to go you know, kick down doors and like seize long arm. You're, you're not involved in that. You're not directing the RCMP. No, are you in any way, shape or form? Absolutely not. We have a great relationship with our detachment. We help them set priorities. We have a, a committee of residents that work with the RCMP. Yeah, it is. But it's part of the argument that the province with Alberta provincial police is that we don't have, we can't direct the RCMP. Yeah. That's their argument. You don't want to, do you? I don't want that. You don't want my, anything no, to do with no, that. I want the experts enforcing yeah. law. Uh, and, and, order, and members so. of the public, quite frankly, don't want their elected officials direct, trying to meddle in policing, right? No, and, and that's that's what part of our problem with the, the new police act that was tabled last week is that they're they're going to the province is going to appoint people to sit on commissions. Why does the province have any say or in who sits on the Edmonton Police Commission? Edmonton is its own municipality. They pay for their police. They run their policing separately. Why does the province get to sit on their commission? It's wrong. But I think that's part of the yep. misconception is that people need to sit on these commissions to direct the police to do their job because they don't feel the police are doing their job well. Exactly. So the, yep. the layperson is going to go in there and tell them how to operate or how to how to police. Mm. And that's not... That's not functional. That's no. not. That's I'm sure the police would appreciate that. It's oh, political. I would imagine. Yeah. It's, it's political. 100% you, you, political. Yeah, you want to yeah. keep politics out of policing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's not really like sort of the uh, the uh, libertarian, independent, hands off, arms length, stay in your lane type approach you would expect uh, under this premier of this government. Just they get to define their lane. I think that's the the issue. They they define their lane. If they think this is their lane, they they influence the, their their power over it. It's not just this premier though, right? Like it's it's been over the past number of years. See, if I use a word like attack, it's it's a little bit dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there has been there have been threats or, or oversteps or whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about sovereignty, if you want if, if we can use the word small L liberally, uh, if, if, if you want to talk about sovereignty, municipalities have a certain sovereignty to be expected. I mean, in the Municipal Governance Act, we can talk about this, about communities um, that, that uh, have, have certain um, rights and privileges and, and uh, jurisdictions over which they make their own decisions. And that sovereignty, if you want to call it that, ha- has been threatened. Um, has been encroached upon by the province, right? I'm editorializing a little bit here over the past number of years, hasn't it? I think what people might not understand, and I'd love that you said that because we don't have sovereignty. The Constitution of Canada does not even mention municipalities. We're not recognized as an We're, order of government. I, most people think they go to the the you know the ballot box and they put their X besides Angela and Tyler for mayor. They're exercising a democratic right, but at the same time, we're children. And it happened in uh, Ontario when Ford took Toronto down from 47 to 25 wards and went to the Supreme Court. 
And the Supreme Court said, well, sorry, you are a child of the province. You're not recognizing the Constitution. We've had lots of talks about opening the Constitution. Trudeau's even entertained it a bit. I don't think it'll ever happen. But we're not sovereign. We are MGA. Serving, which is, serving at the will of the province. The MGA is provincial legislation, which guides us. You guys seem like a little bit. I'm trying to like you're, you're being very professional here, but, <laughs> but I we feel are like, the best I feel level. like like there's like this burning in your bellies. Like I feel like you're all just a little bit pissed off, but you're keeping it classy around the Real Talk Roundtable. Bear Duncan, is that accurate? Municipalities always try to keep it classy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. we yeah. like to we like to show the other levels of government how it's done and how to have respectful discourse and dialogue. And, okay, and we really do try to actually raise the level of discourse in, in <laughs> politics uh, through the municipal level. Uh, we don't like to see what we see at the provincial and federal level. Sitting- so yes, you're right. There, there is. We are trying to keep it classy because that's who we are, classy people. But don't you sometimes have to light your hair on fire to get everybody's attention in today's political climate to a certain degree? Absolutely. We- and I've been the squeaky wheel and the thorn in the side with policing and, and our uh, homeless population. And sometimes that's what it takes is just to be a constant thorn in your side to to be heard and if you're going to pay me to go away then so be it yeah but we've got we've got issues and we're definitely at the level of the people all the time every day going to the grocery store going out for supper whatever it is you're doing in your community and and maybe not so much kathy in a, in a bigger city but for me especially and for angela and in the villages yeah. we're we're every day meeting with and talking to our residents we know what our communities need yeah. I mean, yeah, Mayor Heron's got her fleet of SUVs and her security detail. and she's, She keeps herself insulated from the people. We know that. <laughs> hardly. Hardly. We're hanging out with the mayors. Should we clarify that? I'm kidding. Uh, no, Mayor, kidding yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, those four Escalades parked out front. Those aren't yours. I was, uh, I was at the food bank yesterday helping out. Were you in St. Albert? Yeah. Oh, right yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, let's talk, let's talk about all that kind of stuff. We're, we're uh, we, I love this. This is the type of show that breathes a little bit. We got you in studio. We got a big pot of coffee. And we're just hanging out with yeah. three mayors. It's the Alberta Municipalities Roundtable. Uh, you can check out, by the way, abmunis.ca more with uh, mayors Angela Duncan, Tyler Ganim, and uh, Kathy Heron in just a second. These conversations are presented uh, by sponsors who value real talk. And they also understand, I mean, we're talking about things like, you know, costs rising. We're talking about the holiday season. What about those of you that are trying to put something powerful and meaningful and impactful under the tree without breaking the bank. Well, we've been telling you about McBain's holiday sale for the past few weeks now. Today, you have an opportunity to save up to $450 on Canon cameras and lenses during McBain's holiday sale, which continues in store and at McBainCamera.com right now. If you're looking for a compact travel camera that will easily outperform the camera on your phone, I don't care what phone you have, nothing's going to beat the Canon PowerShot G7X Mark III for your next adventure. This advanced portable camera, you can put it in your pocket, features a bright 4.2 times zoom lens with an optical image stabilizer. That means every shot's going to be crystal clear, even if you're zoomed all the way in. And to ensure your camera doesn't tumble into the yawning chasm of the Grand Canyon, the PowerShot G7X Mark III comes with a free wrist strap to keep it safe and secure. You can save $50 on that Canon right now at $949.99 under a G. Visit McBain in-store, chat with a team member online. I love that online chat function. McBainCamera.com. McBain, create to inspire. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy want to let you know that there is a new grant available. Of course, there's the Canada Greener Homes Grant, $40,000, an interest-free loan. You can pay it back over 10 years to get solar on your reef. But if you're living in the city of Edmonton in particular... 
Uh, there's a whole other incentive right now. I'm not going to get into the details, and you don't need to either. You know why? Because the team at Kubi, they're the experts. You go to kubienergy.ca, you can click on the blog link, and you can read up on all the information that they have available for you there. It's a great resource. They handle all the paperwork. You can get your free quote today at kubienergy.ca. Dot CA. Our friends at Park Power want to remind you that, of course, as if you needed reminding, it's the time of year where we're using more natural gas and electricity than before. I mean, if you're running a space heater like I am in my garage from time to time when we're throwing darts, you've seen what it does to your bottom line. The price goes way up. Well, a lot of you are paying more than you have to right now. The team at Park Power knows that for a fact. You know what? If you're the current fixed electricity rate plans at parkpower.ca, almost half half the cost of the regulated rate option. Why are you paying double? Honestly, take two minutes today. Go to parkpower.ca. You're like, Jesperson's always BSing. He's saying it's going to take two. It's going to take 25 minutes. I don't know. It's going to take two minutes to compare the rates. It's going to take less than five minutes to switch over. And the promo code 2022-REALTALK is going to knock $70 off your first bill at parkpower.ca. John and I are both getting excited on Friday night. We get to hang out with the team at Apex Automation, Uh buddy. It's the Christmas party of the year. No offense, real talkers. If you don't work at Apex, you're not invited. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're always hiring. So if you're a PNG right now and you're working at a firm or maybe you're slogging it out yourself and uh, I don't know, maybe maybe you just don't necessarily feel appreciated. Maybe you don't feel fulfilled. Maybe you don't feel challenged in what you're doing. Apex Automation would love to hear from you. They're working across Canada, the U.S. They've got international contracts. They're giving people back their time. They're working in resource development. They're automating breweries. I mean, they're doing all kinds of cool stuff. Check out the careers link at Apex Automation. .ca. Johnny, I told you they're already working on their request list for that party. They're getting excited to have Johnny Infamous <laughs> DJ in the Christmas party. It's the Alberta Municipalities Roundtable here, and we're hanging out with uh, three uh, community leaders that, that, quite frankly, have, have made it their life's work. I mean, you look at, at the terms that the three of you have served on your respective councils. Now, of course, the three of you mayors, uh, Mayor Duncan in, in Alberta Beach, Ganim in, in Wetaskiwin, and of course, Mayor Heron in St. Albert. You can check out abmunis.ca if you want to learn more about what the group is doing collectively for people. Maybe why don't we just tee this up really quickly? I never want to take this stuff for granted. I don't want to assume that everybody understands Um, a group like Alberta municipalities. Why is that group so important? Why is it so important for the different communities to come together and, and have a collective voice, regardless of of whether there's 500 people living in a community or, or 40,000. When, before we went to the break, you were talking about um, getting it real and, letting our hair down and that's what we do around the board table we we, we bitch around the board table. i've heard rumors about your board yeah, table exactly. yeah so it's very therapeutic for us mayors but i think the bigger um purpose of our organization is to a educate so the best part about our our board is we've got andrew knack from edmonton peter demong and calgary big city mayors that are visiting villages and trying to understand their needs so that we can then go to the province and say this is as a collective, and we, and we represent the cities, the towns, the villages, and summer villages. There is another association that represents the counties and municipal districts, but we're the big population uh, representatives. And so we can go to the province and say, really, honestly, Andrew can advocate on behalf of a village and so that we don't seem self-serving. We don't, Edmonton's not just thinking about Edmonton all the time. And, and I love the fact that we are nonpartisan. I have no idea where Tyler and Angela vote 
when it comes to provincial or federal. I have no idea and I don't want to know. Would the three of you like to go on the record and let us know about your voting <laughs> history? Would that, be, that would be kind of fun. The audience would enjoy that. Mayors tend to be strategic. We want our MP and MLA to be in government. So we got to yeah, look at the polls right. the day that's, before. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's the nice part. So we don't have to um, take a position based on our political ideology. We take a position based on our, what our residents need and want. And that's why it's the best level of government there is. But does that also mean that you have to figure out what somebody in Alberta Beach has in common with somebody in Wetaskiwin, with somebody in St. Albert, with somebody in Edmonton or Calgary? It's a lot easier than you might think. Okay. Yeah. We all we all come with our unique perspectives from our municipalities and the municipalities that we represent. But all of our issues fall into the same buckets. So when we're exploring an issue, um, Kathy or Tyler may talk about it from the perspective of a mid-sized city, and I'm talking about it from the perspective of a village, but you'd be surprised how many times it, it all lines up. So we can have a really fulsome conversation, and we wind up with these really unique situations where, for example, the city of Calgary will go to our small communities committee to run policy by them and say, hey, how does this work for small communities? Because we want to advocate to the province for this. So we allow all of our different types and sizes of municipalities to come together and share their thoughts and experiences, and, and we are all very much better for it. You'd be surprised at the number of times that a mid-sized city can learn something from a village and vice versa. And it has a lot to do with the people too. Uh, Angela is a fantastic resource to have, but we do. We line up on so many different issues throughout the province. I've got EMS delays in Wetaskiwin, but so does Alberta Beach, so does St. Albert, so does the city of Edmonton and Calgary. Policing is an issue, education, homelessness, all of these things that we all share as municipalities as issues we can talk about very freely and it, it we line up and it's really easy to go back to the provincial government or the federal, federal government and and talk about the advocacy needs of of all of Alberta. It's not just what Wetaskiwin needs. Mm. And that's probably been one of the best things that I've got out of the the many years that I've been with the board of Alberta municipalities is just learning from each other and learning from the other mayors and the councillors, having the ability to text a mayor from Alberta Beach or um, one of the councillors from Edmonton or Calgary and say, listen, like, what did you do when you dealt with this? Or, or give me some, give me some perspective. Give me a, another point of view on, on how I should go about this because I'm, I'm not doing it very well right now. And man, the resources we have as board members is fantastic. Huh? Can I just real quick ask you to be candid, like gut instinct, the first thing that comes to mind, what's something that's pissing you off right now? Sovereignty. Okay. Yep. I, how about you, Mayor Duncan? Crime. Crime. Mm -hmm. Crime policing. Crime policing sovereignty. Why don't we talk about policing? We've talked a lot about, and by the way, I want to circle back. I want to let you know, see the playbook for a second. I want to circle back and talk about affordable housing because I think it is a, it's not a different, it's, it's a, it's a parallel conversation to homelessness. It's and, not and the same conversation, crime, mental health supports, healthcare. I mean, it all, it's, it's one big kind of ball of wax, <laughs> right? So when we talk about policing conversations that we've had in past, people can search our archives uh, where you're getting real talk, whether it's a podcast, YouTube, what have you. In past Alberta municipalities roundtables, these are really important conversations. We love having the three of you in, by the way. This is the stuff that really impacts people directly. We've talked about plans for an Alberta police force, and we've talked about different angles on policing, uh, different approaches to that conversation. But what is it right now specifically that you want to put in front of the four and a half million Albertans? Show me what the change is going to be by changing the logo on a door. How is the province going to be more safe because we've got a, an Alberta Provincial Police Service as opposed to an RCMP? We've got the resources right now. We don't have to go through purchasing cars, uniforms, guns, finding out a place to to train our new members. To, regardless of what police service they belong to, why don't we work with what we've got? And if that's not working, 
then let's look at at changing what we've got for a police service. But the mental health that goes along with it, recognizing that we need mental health experts to go along with these members, that's a big part of it. Lots of the things that we're dealing with in the province isn't a policing need. It's a it's a mental health issue that's going on. It goes much deeper than putting somebody in jail or, or arresting somebody or giving somebody a ticket. And as soon as we can start recognizing that and addressing the needs much lower than when it becomes a crime, I think we're going to be better off as a province and as a nation. It doesn't matter, again, who's policing us. So kind of the so what I what I'm taking from what you're saying is there's a, a, a concern on your part that this the even conversation around or the initiative uh, of uh, provincial police services is just distracting from I mean let alone heaping on costs and potentially you know adding all of this other I mean, I mean the, the very real like where you're going to train them can't use depot outside Regina anymore like there's obviously a lot of practical things uh, but it's taking away the focus. Uh, from policing it's distracting people it's it's creating unnecessary noise around it is that basically the gist of it yeah absolutely okay so mayor duncan how about you like when it when it raises your eye we ask the one thing that's taking you off and you say crime uh let's get into that i mean obviously you don't love when people experience b and e's or aggravated assaults Uh, obviously nobody does uh but in particular your position as a community leader as a mayor well first i want to point out Uh, to go off of what Tyler was saying, if you took all the money that they're talking about putting into this transition and the operating of a police service, and you were to put that money into some of the root causes of crime, homelessness, mental health, addictions, uh, lack of economic supports, lack of um, employment, you took that money and you put it there. Think of the good that you could do. And I think you would actually see crime stats improve. I actually think you'd see less calls for EMS. The the slippery slope effect of that would, would be quite large. But when we're talking crime in rural Alberta, we have police officers. We we do look at long response times in rural Alberta. I mean, my detachment is a half an hour away. We would love to have them closer. But they are in the community an awful lot. What I'm finding is that there's a lot of talk about crime, but not a lot of people actually reporting crime. So if, if we could convince people to actually call and report crime every time it happens, we'd have a much better idea of what the need is in rural Alberta and what, what types of crimes are actually happening. Why do you think people don't? I think that they've called in the past and they haven't gotten the response that they wanted. You know, when, when somebody calls and says, my, my kid's bike was stolen and the RCMP show up two days later and they take a report, that can be very disconcerting. But the impacts of that call are far reaching. So when I call and I report my kid's stolen bike, I'm not going to get that bike back. So I'm not calling with the the thought that I'm getting it back, but I'm calling with a thought that says, hey, there was a crime in my community and the police need to be aware. So then when when they go and they look at new resources and where those resources need to be, they go into the areas that have the most calls. So when you have a crime and you don't report it to the police, you're doing your entire community a disservice because those resources that should be in your community are going somewhere else. So there's a huge education piece that can happen to people and they've made it so easy. I mean, the RCMP have developed a crime app. You can find it on Android and I believe Apple as well, where it's an app on your phone and you can report a crime. You know, something as simple as a stolen electrical cord. Go on the app and report it because it's going to help bring resources into your community. And I've noticed that since in our community, we've been having a lot of conversations about crime and, and there's been more reporting. I see the RCMP around town an awful lot more than I used to. And that's a huge deterrent. Hmm. No call too small. Exactly. No call, no too, call small. too small. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, people probably just, you know, you, your bike gets stolen and unless it's one of these like e-bikes or fat bikes or whatever, like four grand, five grand, um, you might just kind of go, well, 
crap it's gone but you know they're gonna they're gonna take to social media and they're gonna make sure everybody knows that that bike was stolen (laughs) but they're not telling the people that need to know right bike was stolen yeah fair point but the social media police aren't going to be able to find the bike for him i don't understand (laughs) the social media police are busy with other things uh mayor but i'm not going to get into that uh everyone's gonna go what's he talking about i don't know i'm just trying to light fires under people uh mayor heron let's talk about affordable housing because it's different it's it's a bit of a different conversation than homelessness you're talking about affordable housing It, it might be people that that maybe currently have a roof over their heads but but they're struggling to make ends meet and 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 it's going to be a a tough christmas and you know they're putting water on the cornflakes and like doing everything they can to get creative there's a lot of people that have huge barriers of entry to i mean they're not even worried about home ownership they would love home ownership but that just seems like miles away they're just trying to find a way to to stay housed um how different does that conversation need to be and what do you wish that the public had a big bigger or better understanding about in the context of affordable housing thank you for the public um there's a perception that people that are in affordable housing tends to lead to crime when a, a lot of the people that I you know, was helping at the food bank, a uh, young single mom going through nursing school, the schooling is the most important because she wants to then have a long-term career, but at this current moment, she's having a hard time. So she's going to the food bank. The, the people that, are, are worse, that we need to serve are not criminals. And so when, when mayors like us are trying to bring in affordable housing, I'm sure you'll have a hard time with a shelter when it comes to NIMBY, not in my backyard. And I want to serve the youth in my community. And I sat at a church because they, they had a parking lot that we could build a house on. And the church congregation was so upset about the crime. And these kids in the daycare below are going to get kidnapped and raped. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So when it comes to public perception, it, it, there's, there's so many, as we've talked already, about the root causes and underlying issues that all these people that are on the streets or living in a car, a lot of them are living in cars or couch serving. If we can adjust those issues and get them, get their feet under them, then we get them into some subsidized housing and then we get them into market affordable, like like zero lot lines and really, you know, more dense housing, which is what we're trying to do as communities. And then, then they can just inch their way up and just it's a hand up instead of a handout. Mm. So it's it's it breaks my heart. It honestly does. It's got to be like to state the obvious. Uh, I think it's so important. You know, you talk to families that uh, like a friend of mine, I think, uh, as an example, through the Christmas holidays, like every Christmas day, uh, he's down at a, at a soup kitchen or a shelter and he's helping on this just been a tradition. It was a tradition that he was raised in. That's something that helps him keep his perspective. He feels like he's getting back, but he's always he's, he's always coming back with these stories of individuals. Like he'd be like, let me tell you about like john take the or let time. me tell you about sally uh when you go help out at the food bank i've, I've volunteered at edmonton's food bank before you you meet people face to face and you talk to them it's a very humbling experience these are people that are doing everything they can uh to keep their head above water to get their kids nutritious meals to try to get like a resume together and get a job it's it's uh there's something that happens to you as a human um, in in a heartbreaking and wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a different interpretation of wonderful because it can be discouraging and heartbreaking and and it can really inspire you. You know what I'm saying though? When you walk through the doors of a food bank or a, or a women's shelter or something like that. It, it, and it, not just at Christmas. No. That's the thing. You need to do it all year long and you need to sit, you're right, take the time to sit down, have a cup of coffee and hear the life story in the background of how um, this person came to need the help of the food bank, for example. There was a story that I always talk about. There's a youth at our library one day and they asked, they didn't have a cell phone, so they asked if they could borrow the phone because the library was closing. Mm. It's minus 20. 
and called her parents wanting to go home and her parents wouldn't let her come home. Who knows the backstory of why they've kicked this young girl out? Could have been drugs, could have been anything. I'm sure parents do their best, but at this point, parents had just said, you can't come home anymore. And she's crying in the library and my librarian's waiting for her to hang up so they can shut the library. No idea where that young girl spent the night. It's it's heartbreaking. And this is my St. Albert residence. And and, it, and we're generally a well-off community. And, and it's it, we, we've got a, an issue in St. Albert about LGBTQ kids getting kicked out. Or they get pregnant and get kicked out. Like, because the parents just can't deal with it. And you so, think more than other communities, St. Albert? I don't know. I I. I because St. Albert, let's just head. say it. Like St. Albert has a bit of a reputation, and it, it's not a bad one. I mean, it's whatever. It doesn't have to be anywhere on the spectrum of good or bad. But people see it as predominantly a little bit more wealthy, yeah. a little bit more white, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's just the reputation that St. Albert has. And, and I hope to change that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very attractive. Not community. insulting your community. No, no it's a beautiful it's a, community. It's wonderful. Um, but we do have uh, we have our social issues, and I think that sometimes gets forgotten. And even my residents can't see it. We call it hidden homeless because they're in their cars or couch surfing. They're not tenting like you're seeing in downtown Edmonton. So they don't see the need to invest in it. And so I need to educate. I need to talk more and more about it. We had a mayor's uh, task force on homelessness. And that was really important for my community to understand the needs. And you're right. We're very, we call call it monochromatic. But we have a fantastic new group in St. Albert called the uh, Friends of African uh, Friendship Society. And all of a sudden we have these all these Africans gathering in the park. And I was like, wow, look at this. It's we're not that monochromatic. They just have to you just have to see who your neighbors are. Hmm. You just meet your neighbors, see them, talk to them. We, we shut ourselves in in this cold weather. But I like this comment from Painter Lee in the, in the live chat watching us uh, live on YouTube um, says it seems all we do. And, and I'll include myself in this, too. Like, this is where we're trying to push this conversation. I know this is where the three of you are trying to push the actual rubber hitting the road. Painter Lee says, it seems like all we do is talk and talk and talk about all this stuff. Like, where is the doing? Right. Like, that's what people want. Like, it's it, that's what I alluded to earlier. Like, like three mayors ago, two mayors ago, technically in Edmonton. Like, we're going to end homelessness in 10 years. Great. It's great to talk about. We get all these high level experts and people come in from like Toronto and different communities and jurisdictions that have addressed homelessness. We talk about the funding and the government. And this is all important, obviously, like, obviously. But to the average person on the street that's that's walking by or walking, walking through the River Valley, I saw a heartbreaking photo that was posted on Twitter. Dr. Dagley, it's Dr. Darren Marklin. I mean, he's been on the show many times and and he showed a, a burned out in. I mean, Tyler, I didn't even I should mention for people that don't know, you also serve as a firefighter. You also serve your community. I'm sure that you've seen this, too. It's heartbreaking. A burned out uh, encampment. And then the doctor, the ICU doc on his way into the hospital, <laughs> stopped on his bike and, and checked. He I mean, it hurts to even say it. He checked for human remains and he said, he said, thank God, I don't I don't believe I found human remains. He found the burned out camp stove. He found the tent. He found the boots, but he didn't find human remains. But these are these are people that are struggling to survive. And the average person walking through the river valley would be like, I thought we were supposed to. And to be clear, I'm not laying this at your feet, mayors, but like all of us collectively as a society. Oh, wait a second. I thought we were supposed to solve this like 10 years ago. Now, people want to go, where is the doing? Right. Yeah. I think 
part of the issue is that it requires all three levels of government to come to the table and have a real conversation about those issues without a partisan lens. And we're not seeing that. Is that even possible in politics? Well, I, it is at our I believe that it is possible <laughs> if people choose to do it. But we have to elect leaders that, that want to make change regardless of ideology, not make change based upon ideology. And right now we have a provincial government in particular who who wants to talk about sovereignty. They don't want to talk about homelessness and they don't want to work with the federal government and the municipalities and come to the same table to have a real conversation and, and check your ideology at the door because we can pull some really good things from all all parts of the spectrum that are going to help solve this issue. Your, your, your right wing and your left wing ideologies aren't going to solve it. We need to come together and work together and have a conversation that accounts for all of it. And we're just not seeing that right now. Okay, so real talk, because the three of you, you know how to get elected. You got yourselves elected. There's no way you get elected running on a platform around homelessness. I, it's, it's not sexy. I did. I did. Yeah? Yep. School and, me. And, school and me. I think, I think the election was a lot closer than it should have been, but I was absolutely steadfast in my drive to change what the dynamics are in Wetaskiwin. The the individual, the counselor that was running against me in open council um, suggested we take a bulldozer to a, a an encampment. So that's the mentality of some people in the community and, and garnered support. Mm -hmm. And I think that we get to a point where we get more elected people running for positions and doing their job, not worrying about what that next election looks like in four years. One of the things I heard uh, a couple of years ago was that if you're setting goals that you're going to achieve in your lifetime, you're aiming too low. Mm. And I know that I'm not going to end homelessness in Wetaskiwin, but I'll guarantee you I'm going to change the dynamics of it. Mm -hmm. And in 25 years, Wetaskiwin is going to look different because of the, the stance that our council has taken, showing what's important, our level of crime, whether it's taxation, homelessness, all of the things that go along with that. Until there's a strong stance against it and a council that's willing to step up and do those, make those hard decisions, you're not going to see a change. And I'm not going to see what Wotaskin's going to look like in 50 years. But I know that in my time now, I've been on term on this is my third term, second as the mayor. I know that Wotaskin's going to be better. And whether that's me being conceited or or thinking highly, or whatever, what hasn't happened over the last 40 years, my mom's originally from Wotaskin. So while homelessness was an issue then you wouldn't have seen it on social media it, mm. out of sight out of mind none of those things were maybe front center like they are right now but if we're not going to address it it's not going to change what we've done before isn't hasn't made it any better and i'll stand by that 100 percent. and i know that i've I, man i've lost i've lost friends people don't acknowledge me anymore walking through a grocery store what for for a um, hundred different reasons i'm sure but one of the big things is thinking they know what I'm doing without actually talking to me about it. I had uh, walked past a guy that I talked to regularly in the grocery store a couple of weeks ago. Hey, how's it going, sir? And he just looked at me. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I took two steps and I was like, I, I laughed out loud. And I, I hope that he heard me because well, I, I think there's a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a huge misconception on what people think members of council can and can't do. And I think that it's really unfortunate that people lose friends because of what people think you're doing or what you think you can do as a member of a council. So do you worry, like, do the three of you worry? But let me fire back to you, Tyler, for a second, Mayor, uh, th th that like 
because I've asked you before, you know, how long do you think you'll stick around or whether you'd seek reelection, these types of things. You, the three of you, I think it's safe to say, and, and your colleagues with Alberta municipalities, you feel called to service to a certain degree. I don't think you're doing it for the money. Um, do you worry maybe that the good people, so to speak, are being chased out of politics, that the average, quote unquote, good person will look at this and say, why on earth would I subject myself to that? I'm not worried. I know exactly that it's happening. I have lots of people that come up to me and say, why? Why are you? Why did you run again? Why are you there? Why are you doing the work that you're doing? I had uh, a lady that used to be or she might still be. She was my my former life. I was a funeral director. OK, so one of the ladies that helped organize the, the funerals on the church end, I saw her at a grand opening two weeks ago. And she made a comment about me being the most hated person in the city. Jeez. And and it, from anybody else, I would I'd shrug it off. But my my response was, as long as you don't hate me. Like, <laughs> there, I mean, there's, there's people in the community that you don't care. You're not going to ask advice from people that don't you really care. don't have. So why are you going to take criticism from them? And so I'm okay with the people that I'm not willing to ask advice from giving me criticism, but take the time, spend the hours reading through the hundreds of pages of agendas, sit through the hours of council meetings, talking to other people that are experts in whatever field that it is, making the decisions that we make, and then come and talk to me about the poor decision I made, or have a conversation with me and talk to me about why I made the decision I made instead of shitting all over me on social media. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, uh, talking to some of the other mayors in the province that ha- that were so active on social media have have stepped away and I'm absolutely one of them and it kills me because I'm I'm that person that likes to be out in the community I'm the person that likes to be engaged with the with the residents and because I get because I get the negativity that I get especially through social media I've I've taken a step back I've had people run their mouths on me on social media keyboard warriors I see them in public and they smile and say hi mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So, you might, yeah, have, you might have lost friends in, in Wetaskiwin, but you've gained two right here. <laughs> he's a fabulous mayor. He just, he just, he pours oh, his heart out. Passion is he's, like, he's I, I, I respect mayor. passion yeah. big time. Yeah. I respect passion. And it's big interesting. Time. It's when it comes to women in politics, um, the number that we're putting their names on the ballot in the 2021 election was way down because there's different kinds of uh, social media criticism that women get. A lot about body shaming. There's a lot about how you dress. Um, you're not strong enough. The, the, so women get it. Too many emotions. Too many emotions. Yes, we've heard that. And I will cry in council chambers all the time. But that's okay. Because I care, right? And so will Ken Mackay will cry as well. Like men care too. But um, it's it's scary to see um, the lack of interest in local politics sometimes. So that's part of our job is to encourage and mentor um, the next generation of mayors. But mm. at least in the mid-sized cities, you guys have people running. In small town yeah, Alberta, a lot we, of acclamations. we have a lot of acclamations. My entire council was elected on acclamation. And on top of that, we've had a record number of resignations in small town Alberta and mm-hmm. by-elections. I have never seen by-elections like we're seeing right now. And the discourse, I mean, I still get a lot of support in my community, but the lack of knowledge and understanding of what we do. And I mean, I get told, you know, I, to get off my high horse or that I live in my ivory tower. Well, I make less than $10,000 a year as the mayor of Alberta Beach. What? So actually, I'm doing, really, I'm doing this for love of community. I'm doing this because I want my children to be raised in a community that that supports them and, and, and that comes together. 
And it's really tough to, to get people to run for these positions when mm-hmm. you, you do take an awful lot of abuse. And in small town Alberta, we just we don't make money doing it. Yeah. It's it's a volunteer position. What would, what would your average work week, like with regards to your, your duties as mayor or the time that you would invest in your job as mayor, how many hours a week would you say that you, you invest? It varies. But, sure. But, but is it like 10 or is it like 50? Probably closer to 50 most of the time. Geez, 10 yep. grand a year. Less than 10 grand a year, you said. Yep. Love of community. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't track your hours as a, an elected official if you want to figure out how much you make an hour. Yeah. You yeah. have to remember, the moment I leave my house, I'm on duty. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or expected to be accessible all the time, right? Yeah. yeah even without leaving your host, you're getting tagged yes. on Facebook. Right? I just uh, <laughs> I just checked the clock. I'm not surprised the time flies when we're hanging out because this is this is well, how we designed this studio to be when we're in person. We're just hanging out. And um, and I think some of the most powerful stuff has come in the last five minutes. And so I'm glad that we're taking the time here. Can, can I can I touch on one final thing that I don't know? anything about and i think that the audience would would be interested in before we thank these three mayors for their time this extended so we know (laughs) well no but it just it's it sounds kind of boring but it's probably not uh in in the in the context of you know cop 15 and they're talking biodiversity in montreal and they were just talking about saving the planet and climate change in egypt at cop 27 and my understanding is that things are changing around recycling and uh and what is this extended producer responsibility and it's kind of mayor heron you're laughing you're all laughing now (laughs) what have i touched on is this is this is this like a boring bureaucratic type thing or or what is this i mean if i do know one thing having been a talk show host for a long time uh like a plastic bag ban would give you two weeks of material for a talk show. So I know that people do care about things like recycling and the like, but what's changed as of October of this year, just a couple of months ago? So glad you asked. Oh, you're bouncing <laughs> and, in your chair. And looking at me because Should I have led with this? They don't know anything about it, but they do. Okay. So well, I, I, also, I know zero about it. So I, don't feel, yeah. So I also, Mayor St. Albert, President Albert, you must sit on the board of Alberta Recycling. Okay. So EPR stands for Extended Producer Responsibility. It's, um, National and Alberta is the last to the table. Once again, we're last to the table on recycling. And I believe very strongly that Albertans care about the environment. They do. 100%. Of course they do. So extended producer responsibility will switch the burden of the payment of recycling away from municipalities um, to producers of products. Okay. So, So costs are going up. There is a conception that, yes, you have to pay for it at the till, but because EPR is across Canada already, a box of Cheerios in BC is the same price in Alberta, but so we're already paying for it because it's nationally priced. And so, yes, so it's going to be great. I'm I'm expecting when it finally hits um, in 2024, because we're just going through the regulations that Alberta Recycling will be the oversight body. in St. Albert, you pay $7 a month, I think, to have a blue bag on the curb. Mm-hmm. Gone. The producers of those things in that blue bag will now take over the responsibility of the end of life. And the hope is that as they have to pay for it, they will produce a better product that is better and easier to recycle. So it's fantastic. It's great news for Alberta. It's something that our association, especially Peter DeMong, who's mayor or councillor in Calgary, we started a, a task force that wrote a report that presented to the government and they finally considered it. It's a huge win for our association. We really take it as our kind of our crown um, because it's important. And we want the world, especially when it comes to foreign investment, to know that we are doing our share in, in protecting the environment because you would probably guess that the perception of Alberta worldwide is that we're not. 
we're all driving big diesel trucks and we got the tar sands and, and we need to change that perception and EPR is going to help. Okay, no. cool. So so this is by April of 2025. So I've still got yep. some time to do some learning on this and better yeah, understand for it. Sure. But yep. is, is it similar to like the, the um, I'm getting out of my depth here, but like what's that thing with the mechanics pay all the time with like the car parts? Remember, I can't remember what it's called. But like you buy an alternator and there's like a fee. I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, and then you return is, it and then they get it back. And there, it's that kind of idea, yeah, TVs, there's, computers. There's already, so Alberta Recycling takes care of all the electronics. Yeah. So yeah, there's a fee on computers and televisions. There's a fee on um Tires, there's a fee on oil and paint. And you're right. So, and then of course, there's also the fee on beverage containers, but you get that back. Yeah. So, we use that money out of burger recycling to help process the end of life because it's not easy for tires and paint and all those hard right. to recycle things. So, it's similar, but not the same. So, the producers will be in charge of picking it up where it goes. Like, they're, this is a heavy burden for them. Okay. And they were there. And I shouldn't say they were concerned. They're they're on side, the producers, because they want to do good for the environment. I don't know if it's your age, is Alberta Recycling or not, but I have seen some interesting campaigns besides of buses and billboards and stuff like that uh, on, on trying to encourage people to return their cans and bottles. Is, that, is Do you have any familiarity it, with this? A, what, are people not returning cans and bottles anymore? They're just sitting on them? That's the beverage containers. A totally so, different yeah. thing? Yeah, okay. it's similar, but there's two different bodies, and I actually don't know why. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Interesting. Well, thanks for touching on that. It was just on the list of things. We had long-listed some conversations. Well, I was obviously excited. Every so. once in a while, if we have you <laughs> sitting at the table, I want to make sure we ask about it. Um, I, I would hate to wrap this without giving you all an opportunity. We, we often like to ask roundtable panelists to give us something to walk with think about chew on uh, is there anything that we're at risk of leaving unaddressed is there something you know heading into the holiday season or smack dab in the middle of it as we rock these horrific but beautiful christmas sweaters uh <laughs> anything that the three of you would like to leave this audience with uh, mayor ganim you want to go first uh, and it's probably easier to to remember this around the holidays but just be kind you don't know what somebody's going through help them out hold the door open let somebody in the line when you're driving someplace just hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I love it. Yeah. And, and can also like, if someone like, if someone lets you into traffic, can you also please wave? Yeah. I'm just, I'm really trying to bang that drum. Okay. I'm really trying to, you know, my grandparents, my parents taught me to wave in traffic. I'm going to make this my thing. I'm going to get everybody waving or hit the four way flash. Yeah, so absolutely. Like, the, more the, the more that we wave in traffic, it's kind of like, Ooh, you get a little wave in traffic or it changes your day a little bit. Doesn't small, it? Small city like Watas, when you drive down main street, you're throwing waves up all the time. Is that like right? High school. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love you're it. I gotta, get, I gotta get back down to Watasco. It's been, it's been too long since I've been in, in your neck of the woods. I'll let it's you a, buy me lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, what's, or oh, you don't want to pick favorites. I was going to say I what's can't some, pick favorites. No, well, we've, oh man, watasco has got some amazing restaurants. One thing that we've got, more than anything else per capita is restaurants. Is that right? Yeah, we have, there, are they all like the Ma and Pa shops yeah. and the awesome ones with yeah. like the, the, the the meatloaf and the lasagna, the comfort Ooh, food absolutely. and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. and, oh man, had, that is my jam. Yeah. No, I had some uh, brisket poutine about a week ago. Oh, buddy. All right. Now we're talking. <laughs> we should have led with the brisket poutine, <laughs> then the recycling, then the Mayor Duncan, something to leave the audience with. You, you're going to have people tuning in from Alberta Beach. You know that. They're going to hear this podcast. There's always one or two. Yeah. Um. I'd have to say, get involved in your community. You know, educate yourself about what's going on and get involved in, and volunteer and try to make a positive difference. It's really easy to get out there on social media and complain, but when you start showing up and talking to people, you realize that you have an amazing community that you live in and, and you really need to, to show up away from the computer to learn about that. I mean, just in Alberta Beach, we have a restaurant that does a free Christmas dinner for anybody who's wanting on Christmas day. And I think that that's absolutely phenomenal, but you wouldn't know it unless you're out and about and talking to people. So get out and get involved. Hmm. 
Mayor Heron? I'll take a totally different swing. As, you know, 600 staff in St. Albert, they're all going many of them are going to be working over Christmas. We've got public ops that are clearing roads, um, flooding skating rinks, making sure the trails are safe. Obviously, we have fire and EMS 24 hours a day. So I think keep keep some of those municipal employees in your thoughts too at Christmas because they what do they call them, public servants? They are there to serve you too. Mm. And and they get a lot of negativity. People complain about the snow plows and the snow clearing all the time. But they're these guys are working hard. And I, I have so much respect for public servants across municipalities and provincially and federally. So I think uh, don't forget those other people working on Christmas Day that mm. are keeping you safe. Love it. Yeah. That's great. To, yeah. I mean, fire halls, cop shops. Uh, EMS stations yeah. and the, and then the ones that I mean I even think like letter carriers and all these types of things I know I'm not, now I'm getting into you're gonna go well that's federal jurisdiction and this is a, <laughs> that's not the point the point is these people are community servants yeah. I, I've always wanted to drive a snowplow you know there's two zamponis and snowplows have you ever seen Rick always... Mercer's uh, snowplow video no go watch it and then I'll come you come out to St. Albert and we'll drive a plow what yeah. are you being serious yeah. oh we'll do like a we'll do like a real talk uh, report oh I'll set up a course I'm just know. ripping off Rick Mercer a hundred we're not even changing the name it's the real talk report we'll set up a <laughs> course it's gonna give us a call like dude yeah <laughs> we'll set up a course we'll i to, love like, it take it through some garbage cans or something like that well the three of you <laughs> uh, i appreciate your your uh, candid nature and like having the real talk we asked you to bring that to the table and you sure did uh you've been hearing from uh, the mayor of saint albert that's kathy heron uh the mayor of alberta beach angela duncan and the mayor of wetasco and tyler ganham uh you can learn more about what they do collectively and, and how to get involved you can learn more about how alberta municipalities is supporting alberta's municipalities by checking out abmunis.ca. You'll find them on social media as well. I love this stuff from the smallest village to the largest city uh, reads the web. You know, we, we harness the power of our members. This is unreal. You represent Alberta's municipalities where 85 plus percent of Albertans live. How about that? Services used by more than 300 of Alberta's 334 municipalities. Uh, products and services funding over 30% of advocacy efforts, supporting over 700 nonprofits. Really cool stuff. abmunis.ca. Thanks to the three of you. Uh, this conversation has been presented uh, by uh, Real Talk sponsors. I mean, these are the advertisers that understand what community is all about. We talk to you about local environmental services all the time. You know that they present Trash Talk every Friday here on the show at localenvironmental.ca. You can learn more about what it means to keep it local. In communities across Alberta, we're talking about White Court and area, Edmonton and area, into Saskatchewan, Regina and area, front load bins, roll off bins, whether it's a, a renovation, a roofing job, maybe it's a basement purge, or maybe it's a longer term relationship you're looking for. You're a retailer, a restaurateur, uh, maybe you're managing a mall or, or, or some other, maybe a hotel. And you just know that you could do better with the service you're receiving and quite frankly, how much you're paying. You can request a quote today at localenvironmental.ca. Friesen Brothers in 16 Alberta communities, Alberta grown and Alberta owned. They want us to remind you that they're taking orders right now for that Ukrainian inspired Christmas dinner box. Just $60 for the full spread, including turkey and gravy. You got the pierogies. I've been telling you about those lazy cabbage rolls and the carrots and the creamy dill sauce. Oh my goodness, $60, that's $15 a person. $15 a person to skip all the work. You can order that today from Friesen Brothers at Friesen.com. 
If you're thinking of getting yourself into a new ride, you're sick of sliding all over the streets every time you go around a corner, you never know if your vehicle's going to make it safely. Uh, number one, a 4x4 Jeep, the most trusted brand. There is a big step in the right direction. And at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge, you will find the best selection in the province of Alberta. Namely, because they can share inventory between the two dealerships and also because they're always well stocked on fan favorites like that Dodge Ram 1500. You can get up right now to 15% off the manufacturer's suggested retail price up to $11,000 in total discounts. You can shop now online or go see them in person at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. Hey, whether you're going to be celebrating Christmas, whether you're celebrating Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, maybe a birthday, an anniversary, or maybe just a week off work, nothing makes a celebration complete like a cake from the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. You go to DQCakes.com, you use the drop-down menu to find the location in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or in Sherwood Park at Baseline Road, and then you find happiness However you want it. World-famous soft-serve DQ ice cream with a fudgy, crunchy, chocolatey middle. It's the perfect way to celebrate any occasion. And if you're looking for an unconventional or unusual Christmas gift, a gift that you know is going to wow the loved one in your life, why not give them a consultation with Eden Landscaping? Hey, you put that envelope in the stocking, you put it under the tree, the next thing you know, that person is starting to dream up ways to bring their outdoor space to life. Maybe you've always envisioned some sort of a water feature. Maybe you've always loved the concept of an outdoor kitchen, but really, you haven't known where to start? You can start with the custom landscape builders at Eden Landscaping, 20 plus years of on the ground experience in Edmonton and area. You can find Mike and his team online today at landscapeedmonton.ca. Well, we kind of got into some, yeah. uh, we, I mean, we really got into it. That round table was supposed to be like 30 minutes and, mm-hmm. and it ended up being an hour because we've got mayors shooting from the hip and saying what they really think, which is the greatest. Uh, but I also kind of feel John Hicks, technical producer of this show. <laughs> Like we were ignoring you a Thank little you. bit. It's nice to see your face, pal. You no, I like to just sit back and listen when there's people in here. And uh, there's also a lot going on with the switching and the technical aspects. So please, yeah. don't bother me. <laughs> okay, I won't bother you. I uh, wanted to let uh, our audience know that um, within the next two episodes, and we're thinking maybe tomorrow, though tomorrow's show is yeah. jam-packed. It's a good one. We're going to get to this week's edition of the John Hicks Holiday Movie oh, Review. Oh, man, and it's uh, a doozy. It's a doozy. I can't wait for it. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Really looking forward to that right now because it is Tuesday. Of course, every Tuesday, our friends at Leading Edge Physiotherapy give us an opportunity to to focus on what really matters in, in our communities. At Leading Edge Physiotherapy, uh, one of their top priorities, uh, something that they really celebrate is, is innovation, is doing things differently, is people that break the mold to address a need in a community, or, or perhaps it's something that, that maybe is resonating globally. And today is a very special day uh, for the team at Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Why? Because it's time for the cash mob. Yeah, this is a, a long-standing tradition and an absolutely beautiful one. And today is a huge day. It's, of course, December 13th. If you're listening to this show, the day that we're pushing it out, we wanted to let you know what's happening in particular uh, since 2011. Heidi Fedorik has mobbed 
49 independent local small businesses to the tune of more than $150,000 of economic impact, $20 at a time. So today, this December 13th, will be the 50th mob, the 50th that Leading Edge Physiotherapy has led in support of local small businesses. Now, the only rules are to spend $20, meet new people, and have fun. All right. So at seven o'clock this evening, we invite you to meet Heidi and Megan at Cloud Nine Pajamas. All right. You meet them there at seven o'clock sharp. And from there, they're going to reveal the secret mob location. Now, Heidi has been recognized as an innovator for this initiative uh, by the St. Albert Woman of Distinction, the Chamber of Commerce, for her dedication to supporting local small business. And she's got over 4,000 followers who agree to come spend $20 wherever she takes them. The catch is they don't know until that night. You won't know till tonight where they're going to be shopping. They get almost 50 people every time in attendance per mob with an all-time high more than 120 people. That was at the candy bouquet in St. Albert. One local small business did $3,400 of sales in an hour. They had never done that in a week before. Heidi's been keeping the stats for more than 10 years now and has a really unique perspective on small business and small business owners. Well, why does Leading Edge love to shop local? Number one, the relationships they develop. Number two, a major study shows that for every $100 that you spend at a big box store, 13 bucks stays in your community. If you spend 100 at a local independent business, $48 stays in your community. Did you know small businesses donate 250% more than larger businesses to local nonprofits and community causes? And keep in mind as well that 75% of small businesses donate to charity. On average, 6% of their profits. Corporations donate less than 1%. These are all compelling reasons to support tonight's cash mob. Or maybe Heidi Fedorik's initiative will inspire you to do something similar in your community. If that's the case, we would love to hear from you. You can use the hashtag the leading edge and real talk RJ. We'd love to tell your story in a future edition of the leading edge presented by our friends at leading edge physiotherapy. Life shouldn't hurt. Coming up on tomorrow's show, as mentioned, we're going to be talking to the CEO of the Wilder Institute and the Calgary Zoo. How are the mandates of zoos changing in the context of sustainability and biodiversity as COP15 continues right now in Montreal? Plus, journalist and author Omar Mualim will take us into explosive reporting around a case of serial abuse at a Calgary Junior High School. It's a tough story, but we got to pay attention to it. See that. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.